Everybody, 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 drop your Hi, welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we are talking Survivor 41, Episode 7, There's Gonna Be Blood. This episode is an interesting one. I think the general sentiment I have seen online is that people are happy with it, especially in comparison to last week and as a finale to last week. Evan, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Well, I, I saw that sentiment as well. I don't disagree. I guess the question is, is the destination uh, worth everything if the journey itself was a little bit bumpy? That's, I guess, mm-hmm. to each their own in terms of how they view it. But I, for me, to make this a two-part episode spread over two weeks was sort of the big mistake. Had this been presented as a two-hour episode, I imagine... I might have felt differently about it. But yes, this was definitely a fun episode by way of being action-packed. But I will say, if you're someone who comes for other aspects of the game, um, besides like the live tribal chaos, I'm not sure you were going to be so fed by this because similar to a lot of what was laid out last week, I found a lot of the execution of this episode to be confusing. And uh, confusing is is not an emotion I love to feel while watching the game, but I do recognize that there are fans of the show that like the confusing aspect of the show is what they enjoy. So I definitely was entertained, but I definitely, it uh, I, I can, for me, I think I like my game a little cleaner. Um, but yeah, that's just me. What did you think? Yeah, I feel, I guess, a similar way. I think that on one hand, I thought that it was really fun that they played with the format of this episode. If I'm not thinking of this as a two-hour episode, uh, the format of this was really unique in terms of the amount of pre-tribal strategy we got and then the length of the tribal segment, the tribal segment itself. Uh, is quite unusual. And so in that sense, I really liked that they were showing us a complete story of what went into the vote because so often we are misled by omission. And so here I felt like we really got a little bit of what went into every decision that uh, ultimately culminated in the vote that happened. Uh, But at the same time, I felt like for a merge episode, although we got a little bit last week, we didn't really get to see everybody interact. And I'm not sure where the relationships are actually standing outside of these various voting blocks that are going on, which are actually quite uh, straightforward when you actually look at how the vote landed. Absolutely. I was watching with my mom last night and she's never seen Survivor since uh, Australian Outback. Oh. Uh, and I was trying to explain sort of like the idea of how the merge works and, and merge loyalty. And one thing that she was confused by, and I sort of echo this in sort of trying to watch through her vantage point is like, so Heather, for instance, is loyal to her original tribe, but doesn't really seem to be in the mix of the Black Alliance uh, for obvious reasons. But is she sort of like a... Is like Erica and Nasir and Heather, are they sort of like, are they sort of like uh, onions to the Black Alliance Mm -hmm. at this point, at this point in the game because of their former loyalty to their tribe? 
or is everything going to get shaken up next week when people realize that there's this four these four people that are locked in together uh, and and can recognize the threat that they are. So I think like to what you're saying, like the lack of Heather, the lack of Erica, despite her being uh, made out to be the main character last (laughs) week, um, the lack of sort of like the ancillary characters within the narrative makes it, makes the, the vote seem very dominated by a specific group of people. But as anyone knows, it's like the loudest players get the most screen time, but everyone has an equal vote here, right? So it's like, Heather's vote is as important as Shan's vote, uh, despite the edit. So I, yeah, I remain curious about sort of like, I guess this will play out next week, but sort of like where sort of some of the people on the outside right now, where their loyalty lies. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think it's an oniony alliance. Hey, did you have to explain to your mom that not everybody merges, only half the tribe merges, uh, but then they're all merged at the end and nothing changed? Well, what's so <laughs> funny about watching with someone that's, I was going to say elderly, that's rude. Someone who's older, my mother, and who's not seen the show in a long time, is she just was like, oh, they survive on an island and then they go to tribal and vote. So then I had to like introduce, oh, there's like the immunity idols and everything. Then I had to introduce the fact that this season is even more confusing than a regular season of New Survivor, which is in itself confusing. So yeah, there was just uh, the effort to explain the game to her. At some point, we just were kind of like, why don't you just enjoy the characters and follow characters don't follow yeah just sit back and see what happens yeah Yeah. well luckily for your mom we actually got a previously on (laughs) this this episode first previously on luckily though because no (laughs) uh the previously on uh which is a a little bit of a relic of the past these days uh it made me nervous because the previously on was basically detailing everybody who had advantages and what those advantages did. Uh, so we saw everybody was an extra vote. We saw all the idols. We saw uh, the knowledge's power. And we saw, I think, Erica at Exile, right? Right. And one thing that makes me always nervous about a previously on is any longtime fan of the show will know this. Jeff has a way of editorializing the episodes in ways where he'll present something on the previously on that didn't really play out in the episode you watched, but mm-hmm. he wants to, or, or they, production, want to frame it in such a way that you have that in your mind as you go and watch the episode that you're about to watch. And so when you see a previously on, you start to see one character, for instance, getting a lot of time on the previously on, despite not having it in the actual episode that previously aired, you can begin to sort of draw quick conclusions. So I get nervous with the previously on. Yeah, I got nervous from this previously on because I felt like it was setting us up for an advantage Geddon, which didn't quite happen. But I mean, quite a few advantages did come into play uh, in this episode. So let's just get into it. Uh, So we see Erica on Exile. It's pouring rain. She looks miserable. I kind of liked that little shot of her like face in the rain, just just miserable because I was picturing her sticking through that for like 12 hours through the night. Um, that for me, I often think about what I would be like playing Survivor. And I often think back to Purple Kelly and uh, Nayanka's quit after those days and days of rain. And I think um, for those that don't if know, if I were Erica about in this situation, Survivor. I might. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say for people that don't know Survivor Nicaragua, you're referring to. Nicaragua, yes. Sorry, I just wanted uh, to contextualize former seasons. Yeah, the double quit. Um, 
I often think, you know, I if something was going to push me over the edge, if I was Erica on Exile, I would be hoping to see Jeff on the boat again, and I would be out of there probably. Like she really had no shelter on that island. Yeah, yeah, she had no shelter, but I couldn't help but feel like I guess again having watching having watched so many seasons of the show, we've just seen the person struggling on Exile. Uh, or Edge, or, or what have you, so often that I feel like that narrative is like, yes, you've got nothing, so it's going to be awful. And so they like to play up this narrative of like, I actually learned something about myself and my will will to survive. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt that Erica did learn that. I just feel like that particular narrative I find so repetitive because you only have two options. You either go crazy or you find that inner strength that exists within so many of us. And typically they're going to show the, they're going to show the latter more often because it it makes for a better show, especially for the current iteration of the show, which is very focused on positivity. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I just wanted to point out the rain because we actually haven't seen rain this season a whole lot. I saw that Ricard tweeted or posted something about, I'm glad they're finally showing it rain because it rained every single night. So that's like quite interesting. I wonder why they're not showing that uh, because, you know, it is supposed to be the hardest season ever. So, you know, these apparently it's the hottest place on earth. Apparently it's also the rainiest place on earth when it's nighttime. So uh, interested to see more of that. But let's cut to the immunity challenge uh, where we get our first real segment with the other survivors. Uh, It's mere minutes into the episode and Erica is back and Jeff announces that she had to make the biggest decision of the game so far. The so far gives me pause because I don't want a bigger decision than this to be made in the game and yet I have no doubt that one is coming. But that's an aside. Uh, I really liked this moment because, okay, so if we're on Heather watch again, which at this point I feel like I need to just give up because it's not happening. Uh, Heather did not speak again in this episode. I think she had like one word at Tribal. But they cut to Heather's face after Jeff saying Erica was given a big decision to make. And (laughs) Heather just like smiles and goes, oh, which I thought was cute because obviously Heather and Erica have some kind of bond that we have not seen uh, being the co-cheerleaders of the Lubu tribe, the former Lubu tribe. Uh, but anyways, Erica announces that, uh, yes, she has in fact smashed the hourglass and turned back time. Well, that was a funny moment in that I was surprised that they allowed Erica to like fully uh what's the word i'm looking for fully uh narrate like what Mm -hmm. was about to come because then you saw jeff at one point sort of step in and be like wait like i need you to like hype this up (laughs) a little bit more and like explain it because she presented it to the tribe the merged i guess the air quotes merged tribe and they didn't really give a big reaction because it didn't quite land for them like because again this just goes to i mean we're always going to come back to the mike white is it fun but in addition to the mike white is it fun does it make sense uh Mm -hmm. and i think that's one big thing we're running into where when you have such confusing twists you want to be able just to say and here's the twist and then you get the reaction but with a twist that's both this unprecedented and this confusing in terms of like mm-hmm. who is safe. Like for instance, I did, it didn't occur to me for a while that everyone is still voting. I thought for a moment that it was like Erica was going to reverse time. And then that six was going to be the one going to tribal while the other six watched. And then I, so all this to say, 
I think there was so much uh, that they left to Erica to explain, and it, Jeff quickly realized this is not going to deliver the moment that they want. Also, reaction-wise, you got Deshaun sort of uh, thankfully for the producers being like, I'm cool with this. Like, there is no guarantees in Survivor. Um, but I couldn't help but wonder. We got a little bit of of it with Danny later. But if I were them, I would have just been like, this is bullshit. This is not how the game works. This isn't fair. Counterpoint, life isn't fair. Survivor's not fair. Sure. But I, I would have been a little bit more incensed. I do have to wonder how much discussion occurred in that moment in front of Jeff because I feel like when they do challenges and Jeff runs through how the challenge is going to work, I feel like there's probably a lot of back and forth with Jeff to say like, okay, just so we're clear, this, this, and this. Um, And probably the same is true for when new twists or uh, whatever are introduced into the game. And so I feel like there must have been a little bit of back and forth between the contestants and Jeff. I mean, I would be surprised if there weren't. And that is something I would love to see because I wonder if somebody like Danny, who we see sort of complain about this back at camp, might have spoken up to Jeff because I think really nothing was made of, uh, you know, saying, hey, Jeff, you said that we were safe at tribal council. Like, we're nobody told us that winning is going to put us in danger, right? Right. Uh, I I just wish that we had seen a contestant lose it on Jeff, but totally. maybe and that's I not think, the wisest thing. Right. But I think a huge mistake, I mean, I do think this twist is a huge mistake, and I definitely think it, it I'm, I'm, I feel good about the fact that production recognizes that, but for two reasons. One, the fact that, of course, Erica was going to do it because they gave her the safety as part of it. I think that was a huge mistake in the design of this twist. But the second part was, well, in their mind, I think that they were thinking, well, if the person chooses to do it, they're going to have to contend with anger from their tribe or their, for, you know, their former tribe. But I also think the argument is just anyone in this situation would do it. So I don't think it's one of those questions where anyone from her former tribe can really hold anything against her because Mm -hmm. her argument to them, which I think is a salient one, which is put yourself in my position. The option for my personal game is immunity or not, or go to a tribal in which I'm one of six people that could potentially, or five really, if I don't win immunity, go home. Of course I'm going to do it. So not only do I think was this such an obvious choice for Erica, I don't think it holds any weight for her in the future of the game in terms of putting a target on her in any way. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously she turned back time. It's giving share. <laughs> it's giving share. It's time for Sydney, Ricard, Deshaun, Danny, and Nasir to play the nasty foot challenge which we talked about in our challenge episode. I don't love this challenge because I don't like seeing the feet, uh, but I know lots of people do like seeing that. So uh, so they play this challenge where they have to stack up uh, a tower using only their feet, and then they have to plant a flag in the top of the tower uh, with their feet also. And so it comes down to Sydney and Ricard. Sydney had the feet of a primate. I don't know if you noticed this. Sydney was really good with her feet to the Mm. point where it kind of freaked me out. And the way that she was holding the pole with both feet, but using her toe, like she almost has an opposable thumb on her feet. Like it was that flexible. And I thought Sydney was for sure going to take it. But in the end, uh, Ricard gets his flag in right before Sydney does. And so Ricard wins the first individual immunity of the season. Uh, so big moment for Ricard here. 
big moment. And also, I felt like this was one of the first challenges in which I got a sense of like people's physical prowess. Um, despite mm. the fact that we've had some physical challenges, because they've all been team oriented, uh, and even just, I don't know if it's because there was three tribes and it was harder to focus on individual players. I was really like heartened to see how physically powerful Evie, Ricard, and mm -hmm. Sydney were in particular. Uh, and so I, 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 I couldn't help in that moment, but feel like, oh, like I want more opportunities. And obviously we have the rest of the season, so I'm sure we'll get many, but it was, it was nice. I, I felt like I had this tinge of sort of like, wow, I really haven't seen enough of how these players stack up physically and we're, you know, seven episodes into the season. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. So uh, Jeff also announces here after he crowns uh, Ricard with the immunity necklace, uh, he announces that there is a change to the shot in the dark twist, which, okay. okay. So there are now, instead of there being six scrolls in the bag when you uh, play your shot in the dark, one of which is a safety scroll, there are now 12 scrolls and two are safe. So it's the same odds. But potentially we could have a situation where two people are safe after playing their shot in the dark. Uh, so although it's the same odds, it does change the game once again a little bit. I can't help but think about the fact, though, that aren't we kind of increasingly saying that, like, this is a show for kids, right? Like, not like not for kids, rather, but, like, we want... They really focus on, like, the importance of mm -hmm. young viewers. And this stuff is just, like... It's so high level like i can't even sure i understand basically what you are saying but if this were to be executed in a way that it actually played out that way it would be so challenging to explain i guess i just don't get the point like if you're voted out go home is how they're I trying feel. to make the shot in the dark happen so hard i think they're just like overdoing it because do we want to be in a situation where there's like three idols played, two people safe by shot? Like, no, like there's potentially like five people safe in one tribal. No, we right. don't want that. That's not fun for us. Okay. Anyways, uh, back at camp, chaos ensues. But first, Danny, like I said, complains to his tribe mates about the twist, saying that in the last episode, they drew rocks, they competed fair and square, they won, and the prize was a merge feast and immunity, right? And I thought it was really interesting that they aired this. Of course, they followed up with Deshaun explaining that uh, fair or not, this is how it went and we have to deal with it. But I thought uh, I really liked seeing Danny's reaction because I think it's been the fan reaction. Uh, and I'm kind of surprised that Survivor uh, allowed themselves to be dragged a little bit in the show, even if they did balance it out with Deshaun. Right. I, I couldn't help but wonder, uh, Sex in the City. I couldn't help but wonder, I think it's the second time I've said that. Maybe I've been rewatching it. Maybe it's on the brain. <laughs> um, but to think that had everybody had the Danny reaction, Again, I don't, and I don't think they would have aired the Danny reaction had we not counterbalanced it with the Deshaun. But it does make you wonder, like in that situation, uh, they got lucky in having a Deshaun to sort of like validate this moment for them. But it would have been really interesting had like everyone just been like, "This is bullshit. Like this this game doesn't mean anything anymore. Like why should I even try? Because I can win, but then you're gonna tell me I lost or vice versa." 
there is something to be said about that. And there is sort of like degrees of manipulation of the game that I think are worth sort of unpacking at some point. For instance, I always think about like with David versus Goliath, when we first introduced the nullifier, there was no understanding that there was a such thing as a nullifier. Whereas you go to something like Island of Idols, when it's at least in your brain that here are all the possibilities of what can play out, even though like, it's so confusing to even like know if someone has an idol, if they're going to play it, if the person with the nullifier is going to play it, if they're going to play on the right person. But even so, you know all the possibilities. And I think what Danny is hinting at and what a lot of viewers are hinting at is it's not fun when twists happen that make no sense and that there's no way for a player to anticipate in any way. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's yeah. the point of everything? What's the point of doing everything that we've done if we're, if the, if we're just going to erase history. Yeah. Uh, I have a voice memo about the challenge and about the Danny and Deshaun reactions that I want to play now before we get into the muck of the vote. Hi, it's Julie from San Francisco. I really like this episode. It made me feel really warm and fuzzy to see Tiffany and Heather together in, before the challenge, and I hope they team up. And I really, really liked the challenge and how it wasn't all about upper body strength. And I thought it was really interesting to see Deshaun and Danny's reaction. It's been annoying to have all these advantages, but how it played out in this episode, I found really interesting. Like, yeah, Deshaun and Danny, you can't just get by on your upper body strength. It was just sort of interesting to have everything turned around on them when they were so confident about how they're going to get through the game. And my final thought, it, it was really nice to see Ricard smiling. Yeah. <laughs> Ricard, smile king. Um, I yeah. What I really like about this is that it, it. I think that Danny, although I think he was right to be upset with the production decision, um, it was nice to see Danny fail here. Danny has never lost a challenge, and now here he is at individual immunity. He is not used to losing in life, I think, and here he got beat by the girls and the gays. And not even in contention. Like, he's not even sort yeah. of, like, up there. Like, when Jeff's narrating, there's only three names mentioned, none of whom are Danny. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, love the voice memo. Thank you so much. I uh, We are aligned. I would love to see Heather and Tiffany team up. And, I mean, I would like to see Heather on the show Survivor, um, mm -hmm. period. Um, but, yeah, I do think one of the things that not sort of getting – a lot of camp life with the merge uh, d uh, did not allow us for, I don't know, words are sort of happening there. <laughs> but one thing that was not given to us was this idea of like getting to see all of the different new possible configurations. We zoomed in so much on the Liana, Shan, Danny, Deshaun alliance, but we're sort of left wondering like, for instance, at this point in the game, Obviously, she was gone for two votes, but, like, where is Erica at strategically? Is she mm -hmm. having conversations with people like Xander? Like, I think one thing, and this is not unique to season 41 specifically, but I want to know, like, are there, even if not working relationships, but just a better sense of dynamics? And I think that because this was a two-part episode and ostensibly there was 
a lot of time here. I do, I am left sort of wondering, or like Ricard, for instance, is one I'm really curious about. First of all, I think mm -hmm. Ricard's gonna play a huge role moving forward, but like, if, is Ricard going to be an onion to Shan in this alliance? I have to think not, but like, is someone like Ricard having conversations with someone like Xander? Like, I, I there are so many configurations right now I have no sense of at all. Mind you, I think we will more and more as numbers whittle down, but as the caller mentioned, Tiffany, Heather, it's like uh, conversations happening. Like, I'm just so, I'm really curious about that, but a line that I would love to see them team up, but we would first need to solve the issue of Heather uh, not being on the season. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, so let's get into the dynamics a little bit in terms of what actually happened. So we see Ricard, Danny, Sydney, and Shan talking and Ricard says it should be Evie because Nasir has an idol and Xander won't give his idol to Evie, which, ooh, tragic foreshadowing there. Uh, so this is interesting because first of all, Ricard is pulled into a Danny and Shan conversation. So maybe right now he is an onion uh, to the Campout Alliance as it's being called. Uh, and then Sydney is also in this. So what I'm seeing is a combination of the Luvu 6 plus Liana plus Shan plus Ricard. So it's basically everybody except for the Yasa 3 uh, because Liana's been brought into this big alliance. Which just like, sorry, isn't great gameplay. I think to form such a huge alliance mm -hmm. at the merge, I understand there's an onion aspect to it, but I still think it's a smarter move to try and get things more more shaken up because once, you, let's say, I mean, if, if things go their way and they knock off those three Yasas, then what? Yeah. So Agreed. I just, and again, I think, I think players like Ricard are too smart to allow this foursome to sort of go forth with him on the outskirts. But there's a world in which he is so, Shan is so convincing to him that she is final two with him and that the other three are onions for her convinces Ricard of that. So mm -hmm. anyway, it could be interesting, but yeah. One yeah. thing about this current alignment that I feel like is just sort of like, are we going to just pagong these three? The, free, yeah. the three former Yasas. Yeah. So then Danny goes and relays to Liana that they want to vote for Evie and that Evie's kind of the name that's out there. And this is really interesting because immediately Liana's like, wait, 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 like Evie's kind of, I mean, in her mind, Evie's my backup and I don't want to lose this option so early. And so Danny says, then you've got to go talk to Shan because like everybody's on board with this. So Liana and Shan go for a walk in the woods and Liana's like I just don't think it's the right time and within I'm sure that this took longer but within a matter of moments Shan has convinced Liana that now is the time to strike Evie to the point where Liana's doing like a hop and a skip at how excited she is to turn on her only other option in the game at this point and so for me I think this, I mean, obviously this was a bad episode for Liana. Uh, I don't love to see that, but it played out in a really, really interesting way. And I just think the way that Shan like spun her on her head in this moment is a testament, one, to uh, Shan's ability to work people, yeah. but also to maybe Liana's age 
and greenness in the game. I don't know. What did you think of that interaction? I, I definitely wouldn't say age, though, because I feel like we've seen players younger than Liana um, be able to sort of like navigate situations like this better. But yeah, I mean, everything you said, I definitely, it was not a great episode for Liana in many ways, but this and the speed at which she acquiesced to Shan was so concerning. And also her lack of having any loyalty to these three former Yasas is sus. I could understand a world in which she was like, I, I'm going to remain loyal to them for now, but I'm willing to cut them if need be. But she's so willing to just sort of move on without recognizing the value of her being in a final four with her former Yasas and a final four with this new campout, which, by the way, we should mention, they have not called themselves the campout. The campout mm -hmm. is something that, that uh, fans of the show and former players have started to call them in contrast to the cookout, which referred to themselves as the cookout on Big Brother. Anyway, but so if Liana were a more strategic player in my mind, she could have sort of really put herself at the fulcrum of two alliances, but her willingness to sort of just leave all of them behind, leave them, meaning the three former Yasa, and then on top of that, to think that she still had the former Yasa fooled when they saw completely right through her, as we see play out at Tribal, sort of shows the fact that something that Shan should maybe be concerned about moving forward, because it seems like Shan more or less has a final two with Liana, or, mm -hmm. you know, it, it seems like of the four, she's like her person, but I think that Liana could potentially put a sort of wrench in Shan's gameplay if Shan becomes too loyal to Liana because Liana is not playing at the same level as Shan. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So uh, one other thing I want to mention before we get into the hectic part of this is that we see the Yasa 3, Evie, Tiffany, and Xander feeling helpless, and Xander tells Evie that he will play the idol for them and that they want to target Deshaun. Okay, so we have our names out there now. It's either Evie or Deshaun. Now the rest of the episode really focuses on the knowledge is power advantage that Liana holds, which allows her to ask one tribe mate whether or not they have an advantage or an idol, and if the person has it, they have to give it to Liana. Now, the thing about the knowledge is power advantage is that like all of the advantages that have been introduced into the game in this season, it really requires secrecy. And yet, we get a montage of literally everyone finding out about Liana's knowledge is power advantage. And obviously, the secret was not safe with Tiffany. Uh, this is squarely being put on Shan in my mind because Shan is the one who brought it up in front of Tiffany and I think Tiffany rightly so went and told all of her allies about this because she was getting some shady vibes from Liana for keeping it from her. her this is supposed to be this was supposed to be her person I mean we saw Tiffany and Liana uh, being a tight two on Yasa so before we get into how it might be played, what did you think of the fact that everybody knows about this and that it's just out there? Well, can I ask you, do you think that Liana realized what you just said? Do you think Liana think, like, sort of realizes that Shan blew up a part of her game? No, I think she sees Tiffany blowing up her game. Right, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, definitely... Uh, knowledge is only really power if, if held in secret. And I think this is an example. And also with the three idols going into play with the broccoli and of it all, uh, 
once everyone knows the thing you have, I don't think it becomes less powerful, but I think you have to amp up your strategy in terms of how to, you know, maybe actually knowledge is power, right? And if everyone has the knowledge, what then is the power? Does the power itself Mm -hmm. shift? Mm, How philosophical. So I think that one thing that Liana proved not to be quite adept at is, okay, if everyone knows about this, how then are you going to reshuffle the deck? Because you you still have the power here. That's one thing that Mm -hmm. Liana, I don't think, I don't want to say she didn't realize, but didn't play uh, strongly uh, was that just because everyone knows doesn't mean that it's things still can't work out. There seemed to be this weird pressure too for her to use it on this Mm -hmm. vote. Uh, And I thought that was strange because I think that knowledge will remain power right down the line. Mm -hmm. And so I thought when you have a voting block as solid as Liana has right now, I'm not sure why this was the time to try and use that, that move. I thought that was strange. Yeah, I think it was way, way too early to bring this out. She was obviously chomping at the bit to use this. Uh, We'd heard her talk about it in the last episode, and then we saw her talk about how she wants to use it in this episode. And it's just, why? You're in a very comfortable position. You've got two potential alliances, and you're going to use this power to totally cut off one of your options moving forward, which is the Yasa three that you're with, which could be a Yasa four. So it's just a little little confusing why she would do this and a little confusing why she would use it against a potential ally you know i think she's really put all of her eggs in one basket with the camp out and i don't understand it i think it's a really rookie move you don't see shan cutting ricard you don't see like i mean all the luvus are working together she could just have easily have taken Nasir's idol even if she didn't want to vote him out she knows where it is he's not giving it away nobody's on to it she wants an idol she can have Nasir's exactly easy and nobody's gonna begrudge her for that because she has no allegiance to Nasir or even to the Luvus like I don't know I just think it was a really bad play by Liana it was a bad play. And, and I think also credit needs to be given to Evie, Xander, and Tiffany for, I'm not sure we totally saw this, but th- whatever assurances, they had to have given her some kind of assurance, assurance enough to think that they that they believe that she was still with them that they like they acted mm-hmm. their way through that to make it seem like we're we're good. like we're all we're all together here. But like, I just like does Leon I guess I'm curious in Liana's mind does she think she did a good job of like steering this because it was so obvious especially as they pointed out she started hanging out with Shan all the time they were going off in the water together they're in the woods together and it's like people this is a game where people you know are very conscious of who you are socializing with especially in one-on-one scenarios just Liana's lack of being able to optically have a sense of like what other people might be perceiving her game as, uh, just goes to another strike against her. Again, as you said, not a great episode for Liana. Yeah, yeah. So we see Xander go to Danny, and I don't really know what their relationship is, but it was it's kind of interesting to see them interact. Again, this is another reason why I would love to just see a non-pre-tribal scene between those people just so we can get a sense of what does Danny think of Xander what does Xander think of Danny are they interested in working together as strong people we saw them go off on their uh ship wheel island Mm -hmm. prisoner's dilemma island journey very very early on right was that Danny yeah yeah um so it would have been interesting to see like where they stand with each other because Xander goes to Danny and says look it's it's one of yours or it's one of mine and just so you know I'm playing the idol for Evie tonight 
And so he's basically throwing it down to say, you're going to have to put somebody from your side up because it's not it's not Evie going home tonight. Plus, did you know that Liana has this advantage where she can steal an idol? And Sydney's there too, right? So he tells Sydney and Danny this. Interesting move. Was the purpose to throw Liana under the bus to say, like, don't work with her? Because it's not like she could have gone home that night. Right, but I saw it more as, I think that Xander was smart enough to know that Danny was going to go and tell her. And so I thought it was Xander's way of subliminally letting Mm. Liana know that, like, people know what's up and like that there's mm. chatter that she's, you know, pe- she's being talked about. I do want to say one thing that I found sus was here is Xander presenting this totally like crazy new advantage. And if I were Danny uh, or, or Sydney, I'm kind of like, well, wait, is this like, that's never happened before in the history of survivor. Like I'm going to need a little bit more information. The willingness to believe such a crazy new twist without needing to see any proof or even going to Liana and being like, hey, Xander said that you might have something. Do you have something? And if so, can we see the paperwork? Like, I just thought it was odd, like the willingness to believe something that if I if I were in the game and someone told me like, hey, there's this brand new advantage and it means X, Y, Z thing, I'm just going to be like, huh? Like, I, I have some questions. Yeah, to that point, I have to wonder whether Danny already knew about it. That's interesting. Right, because he is in this tight four alliance with Shan and Liana, who both know about it and know the details of it. And Danny, uh, although he kind of like gave a surprise look, I don't think his surprise was on the level that it should have been. And even the way that he told Liana wasn't like confrontational. It was like, Xander told me you have this. Uh, so I have to wonder actually how much Liana shared with her allies. Uh, and and whether they already knew about this, because my sense is that they may have, and whether Sydney knew about it, because if Sydney knew about it, then Liana really screwed up. So Danny does tell Liana about it, right? And then Liana goes to her Yasa tribe mates uh, and gives maybe the least convincing performance of we have to protect Evie that I could ever imagine, right? Because yeah. at this point, we know, everybody knows that the Yasa know about everything that's going to happen. Xander's already put it in Danny's head. He knows that he's going to go to Liana. Like the whole thing, we all, we're all working with the same information. And yet Liana goes, okay, guys, so we have to protect Evie. And uh, everybody's acting here. I <laughs> like, okay, so we see Xander make a show of putting the idol in his pants and say that when Jeff asks for the idol, he's going to say, what did he say, bingo bango, and he's going to be ready to pull it out. And they tell Liana to just vote for Deshaun. So they're throwing Deshaun's name out there again. And they all sort of like falsely agree with each other that they're on the same page. And it was so obvious. Like the, the acting in this episode, I thought was just so amateur. Uh, and so see-through that I can't believe it went the way that it did. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So Liana runs to Deshaun and tells him that he's the target of the Yasa vote, and he makes a last-minute plea to switch the vote from Evie to Sydney to protect himself in the event that Xander actually does play his idol for Evie. 
Then we're headed to Tribal Council, and I just want to talk once again about the Liana edit, because going into Tribal, Liana says in a confessional, I don't like to be underestimated, I'm not stupid, and so tonight I'm transforming into that confident, badass player that's willing to make moves like Sandra or Parv. Very Whoopi Goldberg voice. Okay. (laughs) Wait, but wait, I do want to back up for a second because I do have a question. With Deshaun wanting to throw the votes onto Sydney, what what I don't understand about that is, was his concern that Liana wouldn't play the, because in theory, if everything went to plan in Liana's world, Xander goes to play the idol for Evie, Liana steals the idol, Evie is up for elimination, Evie goes. I guess I'm not understanding in what world, because they don't know about Xander's plan, why was Deshaun concerned that things wouldn't go that way? Because it seemed like it was blue skies ahead for them with the plan as they had it. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe maybe Deshaun didn't really know about the knowledge is power advantage because I think Liana says something like, "Don't worry, I'm going to take care of it. I'm gonna, you're, you'll see everything's going to be okay." But it's just like, wouldn't he want to be like, "Well, I need to know like how. Tell me yeah. how." It just feels like yeah. there's something strange there about him not just thinking there there shouldn't be any reason to put the vote on Sydney. Um with everything that they, with all the artillery they have going into tribal. Yeah, you're right. It makes me think that maybe he was not in on the knowledge is power mechanics. Maybe he knew she had something that she felt like a, like a nullifier of some kind, but. Well, or the question is, did they anticipate what happened with Xander? Right. Okay, let's go to tribal. It's a long one. Uh, we'll try to skip through it as best we can. Um, first of all, I want to point out that this is Luvu's first time at Tribal, so they're dipping their torches, right? They're, they're getting the whole experience. And Danny compares walking into Tribal like walking into an arena, presumably at his old NFL job, which he had been lying about last time we saw him. And everyone's just kind of like, oh, okay. So at some point, it seems, Danny has come out as a former NFL player, and we didn't see it. Is this not important for us to know? Indeed. Apparently not. Uh, Evie says that they're nervous, but that they have Xander. And Xander pulls the idol from his pants, unwraps the paper, and shows a little necklace. He says that at this point it's a burden and he's happy to play it to save Evie. Again, I thought the performance was overwrought at this point. And I was a little confused about where it was going because clearly I thought, okay, Xander knows about the knowledge is power advantage. He has to give the idol to somebody else. It has to be in someone else's possession. I had actually thought, don't give it to Evie. That's too obvious. Give it to Tiffany, which ultimately he did. Uh, But I was just a little confused about this because when he pulled it out, I thought, okay, that has to be a fake. And Evie's probably holding on to the real one. And the performance is so transparent that surely Liana will not fall for this. Like, what did you think of the way that this went down? Okay, wait. So now I'm like, okay, again, I have like questions about how the game works. If you mm-hmm. find an idol, so Xander has two options, right? He, Correct me if I'm wrong. He can give the idol to Evie in advance of Tribal, or mm-hmm. he can go to Tribal and play the idol for Evie. Is that true? Yeah. Those are two that's options. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. So that's interesting. Okay. So... 
I felt as though I what doesn't make sense to me is if you're Shan, who I think is probably one of the smartest players in the game at this point, and mm-hmm. you see Xander flexing his idol mm-hmm. and knowing what you know about everything that's going down, that's got to seem a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. I don't know what the hell was going on with Liana and Shan in this moment. Like, it, it just doesn't seems make so any sense. Obvious. Not only watching the way that Xander is acting, but he pulls out the idol, which is a fake idol, and Shan has a real idol. Right. On she top knows of what that, it looks like. On top of that, they know that he knows about the knowledge's power. Yes. So. So obviously he's not going to be a dumb dumb right. and just pull it out. Right. So I think this is one of those like um you know the friends episode where when everyone finds out about uh Chandler and Monica and that's they don't know that we know that they know that we know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mhm. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is like giving me that vibe in terms of just like mm-hmm. who knows what but do they actually know or are they acting for the other tribe members or do they actually not know? There's just a lot of confusion and again going back to what i said at the top of this episode sometimes i think like there's confusion good and confusion bad and i actually think this Mm -hmm. episode had a little bit of both um but this instance i think is confusion bad just because we're led to believe through great evidence that shan is a really smart player of the Mm -hmm. game um and so it just seems odd that they wouldn't not only pick up that something pick up to the fact that something was up but i actually think they could pick up to exactly what was up it wasn't that i said to my mom before this but when we were watching it i was like oh that's a fake idol i was like it just was like he's flaunting it um it just hello like fake idol Mm -hmm. Watch yeah, the show before, doesn't like, take a weatherman to look yeah, around exactly. and see the weather. Exactly. So <laughs> I just, yeah. Okay, so Liana pulls out her advantage and proceeds to ask Xander for the idol. There was a split second where I thought she was going to ask Evie for the idol because the way that she was phrasing it was, I'm going to ask a contestant, like I'm going to ask Xander. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? And at least Xander had thought two steps ahead to not give the idol to Evie, but to give it to Tiffany. But that said, had she, yeah, had she asked for it from Evie, I would have understood that move on Leon's part. Even though I don't think it would have been smart, it would have been justified. Exactly. I think this was really, really expertly played by Xander, the whole thing, right? Like props to Xander in this moment. And uh, so she asks Xander for the idol. He replies, I don't have one, but you can have this fake. And we get a flashback of Xander giving his idol to Tiffany and replacing it with a fake that he made some time ago. Uh, so uh, I liked this moment of the flashback. It was another goop in the way that we got the Nasir goop. Uh, yeah. And I like it because once again, we're being given the information, which we so often are not being given. Uh, especially when it comes to a tribal vote where they want to blindside the audience, whether or not the player themselves is being blindside, blindsided. So uh, I really like to see all of the background that goes into these decisions that are made. And this is an easy and fun way to do that. Yeah, and I do think it's worth contrasting Liana's reaction to Deshaun's reaction um, to this because I am fervently in the Deshaun camp of like, even when a really good move is made against you, I love a player that's able to recognize that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think Deshaun, first of all, I'm really like loving Deshaun. I definitely think he is like such a valuable player this season. 
Um, and I actually think his comments about like, I'm going to play my social game were like, I understand. I see the social mm -hmm. game, despite the fact that we haven't been given a lot of his social game. I get it. Um, but Liana's inability to appreciate that she got got kind of showed the fact that I don't think Liana has it in her to make it very far. Because I think what Liana showed us in this episode is that if she is able to get to the final three, she is not going to be able to seal the deal with her her ability to sort of like win people over. I think that was a big moment with her where it showed her sort of, her, her not having fun with the game and I think uh, an ingredient, it's not a necessary ingredient, but I think an important ingredient to really get the win in the end is having that jury convincing them that as seriously as you take the game is as much as you recognize the game and like how, how it is played. So I think that that really worked. In addition to Liana like fumbling the ball here, her reaction to fumbling the ball, I actually think was as bad as the fumble. I think it was worse mm. because then she turns to Shan and says, well, it's okay. Evie still doesn't have protection. It's like, like, what world are you living in? And then Shan has to say, yes, she does. Xander gave his idol to Evie. Right. Like, which isn't even what happened. But still, the point was the idol is still there. Like, what did she think? That and the it whole was time very Xander's like, idol was fake? Yeah. And it's very like big sister, little sister here with Shan, yeah. where it's like, and I think Shan, I wonder sort of how Shan is strategizing after this tribal in terms uh -huh. of maybe recognizing that her number one. Uh, switching Liana, switching Ricard for Liana might not be the most advantageous uh -huh. move for Shan. And this puts her in such an interesting place morally because she wants to see a black person, and particularly I think a black woman, win this game. And in her mind, she's probably thinking, well, if not me, obviously let it be Liana. But at some point you have to sort of question, well, is Liana's inability to play this game well actually going to end up not only hurting herself, but hurting me? Am I going to be shrapnel in all of this? And I'm really curious to see how Shan maneuvers from this, because I actually think that the damage that Liana did to her own game really impacts Shan's game. Yeah, Especially, I one do, more I, thing, sorry, sorry, but just in making their allegiance so public at Tribal. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. If I was Ricard watching that, it'd be like, what's mm -hmm. going on with Liana and Shan? I do wonder, though, because like for Shan, this must be a great moment if this is truly like her ideal final two, final three with somebody else. Uh, well, hey, we've got like a great case building up against Liana of why the jury should vote for me, because the jury is certainly not going to be voting for Liana after these fumbles. Absolutely. Uh, unless she is manages to come back in a really big way, uh, which I don't see for her, but we never know. So anyways, at this point, the tribal goes live. We see uh, the majority alliance of Luvu plus Shan plus Ricard plus Liana uh, deciding to split the vote between Sydney and Evie. And meanwhile, Yasa is trying to pull in people like Nasir and Sydney to vote for Deshaun. I guess the big question, I think the biggest question for this episode happens right here where it's why not go for Nasir? Hmm. It's just he has the idol. So you're able to flush out an idol. If you're mm -hmm. Danny and Deshaun, Nasir has proven himself to be kind of sketchy from the outset of landing on the beach when he went and tried to blow up the fact that they were looking for idols. Mm -hmm. I just think it makes so much more sense because if anyone I think is going to flip moving forward, it's Nasir over um, Sydney. So this was one of those moments where it seemed so obvious for everyone and I at home was kind of wondering... And I think others were as well. I think I saw this online, but why not Nasir? 
the only thing I could think is that they are so uh, hell bent on getting a woman out. That makes sense. Not that does not doesn't make sense to get a woman out. It makes sense. To no, me. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really come up this episode, but we saw in the last episode that this is like Danny's motivation here. It's got to be a woman. Uh, it was Erica. Now that Erica's safe, okay. Well, I guess we're just gonna flip on Sydney, one of our allies. Uh, which doesn't totally make sense to me, but okay, if that's the game they want to play. Uh, I, you know, I don't love a live tribal, so I kind of like don't really care about this. It's not fun for me to watch. I know Jeff is like a pig and shit watching this from his podium, but it's whatever. Uh, I, I would, I just wish that, could you imagine if they had a rule where you could not stand up at tribal? You could do all the talking you want, but you would have to do it in the open or you could even whisper to the per- like if you want to play a broken game of telephone, you can do that. Well, that wouldn't work for me unless I got more insight into how the seats are chosen. Like, are they walking mm. up and they can sit wherever they want? Mm. Um, I don't think that is the case because we've seen instances in which two enemies are sitting next to one another. So I would mm-hmm. need. I'm not opposed to what you're saying, but I would need a little bit more um, insight into how the the seating chart works. Yeah, yeah. Plus, uh, I, I think about this tweet that Ricard did about how they have not mentioned uh, Ricard's hearing impairment, right? So he is deaf in one ear. And so at every single tribal, he, t- he tweeted about this, he's always on the far right end of the seating so that he uh, has his, I guess, left ear facing the action so that he can hear it all. And so I guess that kind of a rule would really put Ricard at a disadvantage because he would always be on the end. So right. interesting point. Yeah. I do want to point out something real quick, though, because you mentioned Jeff real quick. And I just think that, like, this season so far, besides sort of, like, some of Jeff's uh, talking to camera moments, but I couldn't help but feel, me and my Carrie Bradshaw era, um, Jeff was really, like, muted as a presence in this episode. Mm -hmm. This tribal was, like, very – there are some tribals that feel very – um, with Jeff, you know, in the driver's seat, controlling the conversations, if not narrating to us, the viewer, what's going down. And Jeff just doesn't feel as present as as he usually does. And I, I don't know what that is, but I distinctly do not feel a lot of Jeff within season 41 outside of his turning to the camera moments. You're right. It seems like he's letting tribal run itself to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't seem to want to put too many parameters around it, which may be a choice, a stylistic choice to let the contestants uh, sort of have the tribal that they want to have. Uh, I thought like there was this interesting moment where everybody's up and talking and Erica's back sitting down and Jeff and Erica are just looking at each other and Jeff's like, this is crazy, isn't it? Like, how about this? So, yeah, it's weird that Jeff is kind of like not trying to lord over tribal in the way that he has in the past. Uh, So anyways, uh, uh, Sydney, I just want to mention, is also begging Yasa to play the idol for her because she's hearing that her name is being tossed around now. But uh, they're pretty reluctant to do that. And it's time to vote. So Deshaun finally receives his extra vote that he won on the Prisoner's Dilemma Island, and he uses it here. And we'll get to the vote breakdown in a second. But meanwhile, uh, Sydney plays her shot in the dark, the first shot in the dark that we've seen played this season or ever. Uh, So, of course, we know that Sydney pulled in not safe scroll. And after uh, some 
Can I ask one yeah. question about that though? Like, because we didn't see her actually like pull it, it does mm-hmm. make you wonder, because if we see multiple plays of the shot in the dark this season and they none of them work, it's going to be viewed as a dud from for you know for this for the twist. So production wants one to work ostensibly, right? Like mm-hmm. in order to you know validate this sort of switch up, and because we're not actually seeing her reach and grab it, I just do wonder there is room for producer manipulation here, and I mm-hmm. couldn't. Yeah, it just was something that occurred to me that they need it to happen at some point. Otherwise, mm-hmm. fans are gonna revolt. So. Even when it does happen, I like I don't I don't really like this kind of a twist because it's like I think that they have a pretty good sense of who might or might not play it. And we truly have no guarantee of what those scrolls in that bag actually are. Right. Uh, if they if they went into this tribal thinking, OK, Sydney's a possibility to play it. Maybe Evie's a possibility to play it. You know, if they're if they're weighing their options. Hey, all those scrolls could say not safe. They could all say safe. Exactly. Uh, we have literally no idea. I thought about this watching Australian Survivor with a similar twist in terms of safety scrolls. And it was like, well, they know who's going home. And so they can kind of put whatever scrolls they want in play. Uh, it, it's definitely, it's not that I think that that's happening, but that the fact that the question is there and the perception is there that it could be tampered with, it's not, it's just something I would rather avoid. So good point. Uh, before Jeff reads the votes, there's some back and forth between Evie, Xander, and Tiffany about what they are going to do with the idol. And Tiffany kind of says, hey, it's not mine. And Xander instructs Tiffany not to play the idol for Evie. The votes come in. We have four for Evie, three for Deshaun, and five for Sydney. And of course, Sydney goes home. Uh, like I said, Deshaun used his extra vote. So, so Sydney lost her vote because she played her shot in the dark. Deshaun cast his extra vote. So there's this kind of the same number of votes that there would be normally. And uh, Deshaun cast his extra vote for Evie. So in, that's kind of interesting because, remember, he got that extra vote from Evie on their Prisoner's Dilemma right. journey. Right. Well, and not only that... Had Sydney not played her shot in the dark, kept her vote and put her vote on Evie, we would have had a tie mm-hmm. and had to have gone mm-hmm. to a revote. So actually, the uh, implications of Sydney's choice are actually could have impacted the game quite significantly. And I think Evie would have gone home at that point. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. So Sydney's voted out. She's furious. She chucks her shot in the dark scroll into the fire. She tosses her torch in front of Jeff and curses. Uh, flipping up the middle finger on her way out, saying I should have kept my fucking vote. Like, giving us full Sydney here. She's the girl we thought she was. Work, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) And now suddenly they've all made the merge. Jeff has announced you've made the merge, although they had all been fully operating as a merged tribe up until this point. So I'm not sure what that means. Something to point out, if we're reversing time... Why wasn't the newly uh, safe tribe given a merge feast? Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Something to consider. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about Sydney? No. Good. <laughs> Some points of interest that I wanted to bring up. Again, everybody knows everything this season. I think that that is worth noting. All of the advantages seem to have been engineered to create chaos, but they're being nullified because knowledge is power. 
and these people can't keep their mouths shut about where the power lies. So that's been really, really interesting to watch. I think it's a pretty unique aspect about this season. And something else I want to point out is that I didn't mention it, but in Tribal, of course, we get that moment where Deshaun calls Evie out and says, I knew about Xander's idol because when we went to the Prisoner's Dilemma Island, Evie told me everything and told me Xander was going home. And so like, I don't know whether maybe that's just going to be like water under the bridge here. But if I were Xander, I'd be pretty concerned about that comment. And I think great, great play by Deshaun here to bring that up. Great, great play. If I were Xander, I would kind of see that as like, this was really early in the game. Allegiances were different. Things have, I mean, I think that Evie can salvage that. Um, But Mm -hmm. yes, really, really smart play by Deshaun. Also just like, it's like a good thing to do if you're Deshaun or anyone just to like shake things up post vote uh, just to sort of like, you know, get yourself out of the mix and put someone else in it. And so, yeah, expert play. Great episode yeah. for Deshaun. Yeah, totally. Uh, we've got some voice memos. Great. Hey guys, um, Steven here. I just have to say, I love the podcast. Anything that references my two greatest loves survivor and Buffy the Vampire Slayer as much as this automatically has the key to my heart. So thank you for that. Ultimately, I think I just felt relieved by this episode. Um, They've just spent so much time this season setting up these convoluted um, twists and turns and, um, you know, Erica's uh, hourglass days of our lives moment. It's just all felt like so much production heavy twists and not enough gameplay. And in a season where we kind of have like some really exciting players, I'm obsessed with Shan. Um, I, I just felt like too much time has been going into that aspect. But finally tonight, we actually got to see some uh, real action, obsessed with Xander's um, uh, fake idol moment. I particularly loved that um, quick zoom in on Xander's crotch. Um, anyway, satisfied by tonight. Curious to hear your guys' thoughts. That is from our friend Stephen Dunn, who is a writer and director of many <gasps> wonderful gay things, including the upcoming Queers Folk reboot. Uh, so oh my thank God. you for sending that in. Stephen, love that. A- agree. The the shot of Xander's crotch was important. Um, and one thing that you made me think about by mentioning your love of Shan is one thing I'm craving from Shan moving forward. So one of my favorite players of all time, Natalie, the winner of San Juan del Sur, I think one of the things that makes Natalie so dynamic of a player is that she's played from both the bottom and from the top. You know, after that Jeremy exit from her season... Natalie was completely on the outs and had to wiggle her way up. And that to me is my favorite kind of winner because I think there are many kinds of winners. And so I hope this season that Shan is put in a position where she has to play somewhere from the bottom because if Shan does end up winning with the current edit of the show that we have, Shan will kind of go down as sort of like a Kim Spradlin or a Tyson type winner where it's like they only ever played from the top. Which is not invalidate. That's still great gameplay. But I really appreciate more of like those Natalie type winners. And so I am curious to see if at any point in this game, Shan is going to be anywhere outside of completely in control of the mm-hmm. votes. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Hey, since Steven brought up Buffy and Xander, 
Can I ask how the Xander on Survivor stacks up against the Xander on Buffy? And if you had to fuck, Mary kill, I guess we only have two options. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm killing Xander from Buffy and I'm fucking and marrying Xander from Survivor. You know, I, uh, Xander from Buffy, uh, bad. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Just like, uh, I would compare him to like a, Bill Cosby. Uh, Hmm. But I would say Xander on Survivor, I think has actually really uh, been given a dynamism, uh, both in the edit, but also, you know, who he is. But I think that it was really easy to look at Xander at the outset of the season and say, oh, another surfer bro type. Uh, One that we really commonly get on Big Brother, but one that we've had quite a few times on the show. And Xander, I mean, this was a big episode for him, but even some of the words he uses in confessionals, for instance, it's like, there's a lot more to Xander. And I actually think if anyone uh, is going to be able to sort of be aligned with multiple uh, voting blocks, if you will. I really do see Xander as, I see there being a high chance that he can get in with the Danny Deshaun alliance. Uh, Yeah, so I definitely think Xander has shown, I think Xander is the character that has surprised me the most this season. Uh, How about for you? Yeah, totally. I mean, I called him a himbo in our early episodes, Right. right? So I think he's really come out of that. I think he played this particular episode really really expertly even though while I was watching it I thought it was amateur hour I mean he pulled it off he was playing to the audience he had to play for which turned out to be Liana uh, who's maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed at this point Uh, so I think Xander Xander's doing great and I could see him going pretty far if he can if he can get through next week uh, which I think he will be the natural target next week after everything he pulled off this week. Uh, if he can get through next week, he could end up going really far. And of course, he's got a good chance at winning some individual immunities Absolutely. as well. And the what I would argue if I were someone playing the game with Xander potentially is his ability to be a shield moving forward. So I actually think mm-hmm. there's either going to be a big target on him or the recognition that he's actually someone worth keeping in the game at this point. But I mean, I yeah. definitely think that He is a strategizer, and I think that uh, him and Shan, I would say, have really emerged as the two biggest of this this cast. Yeah. We've got another voicemail about Xander. Hey, y'all. This is Natalie from Arkansas. Uh, My question about tonight's Survivor episode is about Xander. Um, I thought he was great, but I was really surprised that he told Danny about him knowing about Liana's advantage. I thought that was gonna blow the whole thing up. Because once Liana knows that they know about her advantage, then there was no way she was gonna believe them when they told her where the idol was. So I was very surprised that they didn't come back to bite them. I thought for sure that she was going to ask Evie because of what Xander was telling her. I thought that his slip up, uh, what I saw as a slip up to Danny was going to flip the whole thing on its head and get one of my my poor yasas eliminated. But um, why do you think it it worked out for them in the end? Mm, Such a great question, Natalie from Arkansas. Uh, Well, first of all, I just want to point out when she says, my dear yasas, I'm vibing with that as well. There's something about (laughs) this trio that 
I guess we're getting a little bit of like underdog status at this point, but like they're they're really likable as a trio, and it and they're so unlike they're such unlikely friends, right? But I was really hoping for the Yasa quad, and so it's a bummer that Liana chose to go the way that she did because I think that the four yeah. of them together would have been really powerful. Um, to your point, though, you're absolutely right. I had not considered that, but yeah, there is a a world in which Xander's move to blow up Liana's game could actually come back to bite him. Um, all I can guess is that Xander recognized that he was a smarter player than Liana and that Liana would not be able to connect the dots that you did. Um, so credit to you. Uh, that's the only thing I can guess, but I do understand what you're saying in that there was a, a level of risk that he took in potentially blowing up her game in potentially blowing up his own game. Yeah, like I said earlier, I thought it, it would make so much more sense if Liana was vulnerable uh, to be voted for at Tribal, but she was not. And so it seemed like a confusing decision unless it was to start the discussion of like, which Luvu are we going to vote? Wh- which Luvu are you most likely to vote for? Uh, unfortunately, it was having that discussion in front of Sydney. So I don't know that that necessarily was going to work. But uh, maybe maybe it was all tied up in the misdirection of where the idol was going to be. Maybe the whole time he thought, I'm going to give it to Tiffany because she'll never think that, you know, Tiffany has a hard time following rules when it comes to advantages. Uh, we've seen her very confused over uh, some of the mechanics of various advantages in the past. And so maybe they all thought it would be very unlikely that Liana would suspect that Tiffany is holding the idol. Mm. And so it's all part of the misdirection of hiding it. Uh, So that's a possibility, but I am surprised it was a very risky move and it totally could have blown up, I think, uh, as well as all of the acting, the overacting that Xander was doing, but it somehow worked and we have to stand for that. Totally. Can I add one thing though for future voicemails? Can we, just because I want to shake things up a bit, can we get name where you're from, and your most unsung Survivor player, who you believe Mm. the most unsung player is. Because I was going to say who your favorite player is, but I feel like we'll get all of the typicals. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying, I'm not demeaning our listener. I I would be typical too. Uh, But yeah, so the name, where you're from, I believe the most unsung player in Survivor is. You don't have to phrase it that way. But anyway, okay, thank you. (laughs) Okay, we've got one more. I haven't heard this one. It literally just came in, so I want to get it in. Hello, Sean and Evan. This is Mary. Uh, I'm coming to you from New York City. Um, just finished watching episode seven. I watched it from the bathtub, <laughs> bubble bath. I hope it's not too echoey because I'm still in the bathroom <laughs> as I'm recording this because I just couldn't wait. What a ride. What a supremely entertaining episode and frankly the best possible outcome of all of the elimination possibilities to see Sydney go Praise be. Um, Did just want to say, in terms of reaction and not to take it in a Kvechi direction because loved it, like I said, supremely entertaining. Um, I, like Evan, am a start from the beginning, 2020, 2021 viewer. I've just made it, just finished Blood vs. Water. So that's as far as I've gone. So I've not yet entered the um, live tribal era of the show. And so I find it very disconcerting and bizarre when it happens. And I know that Jeff is obviously a huge fan, quoth best seat in the house. Um, But I just, I feel unsettled every time now that it's happened in this season. 
Um, and I have to say, I do miss the time when everyone would just have to sit quietly with themselves when twists got thrown and just figure it out and try to communicate, you know, telepathically or just look within. I think that's very revealing in a different, arguably more entertaining way. Other thing I want to say, I have a feeling that you two are my demographic for this observation, is that the Silky Nutmeg Ganache All-Stars lip sync battle redemption arc, very similar, eerily similar to Ozzy's redemption arc and Redemption Island. Both of them masters of that particular head-to-head combat craft the challenges that they were faced, they rose, they met wow. every single one. That lane of both of their games excelled any other lane, not to say that the other lanes aren't excellent, but superior in those areas. And I just found the parallel to be so striking and moving. Love all of these shows, Drag Race and Survivor. And of course, Drop Your Buffs. Look forward to this every single week. The more episodes we can get a week, the better. Thank you guys so much. Wow. I could cry. I could what cry. a voicemail. And what diction. Expert diction. Yeah. Uh, straight thank you so from the much. bathroom. Yeah, straight, honestly. Uh, aligned. Uh, Silky and Ozzy, totally. And what's interesting about that comparison, first of all, we, we will have to revisit the conversation once you watch Game Changers because I feel like we get a little bit of like, the. I, I won't spoil, but I do think there's like a final arc to Ozzy's journey on the show that would sort of, uh, is a blip in the sort of Silky comparison. But overall... Well, maybe Silky hasn't had her Game Changers moment That's... Yet. Okay, correct, correct. But yes, I absolutely see the comparison, and I love that comparison. I do think, though, who is the woman from the beginning of Blood vs. Water that keeps making it in the in Redemption... No, 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 not, it's not Blood vs. Water. There's a Redemption Island season. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, Christine Shields. Christine, yep. So I would yeah. say Christine has a little bit of the silky in her. Um, just wow, where did I pull that from? I love it. Jesus. <laughs> uh, and last name and first name. Um, but but we're totally aligned here. I totally agree. I'm really excited that you're uh, watching from the get-go like I did. But I think that you make a very interesting point, which is that I think for a lot of people that have been watching in real time or just people that have started to pick it up in the last couple of years – people really quickly forget some of the smaller machinations of the way in which the game has changed. So I think a lot of people, for instance, think like, okay, there's pre-idol survivor and post-idol survivor or, or modern survivor and old school, but there's a lot of other things that develop along the way. And I think live tribal is one of those ones that Sean, we should probably do an episode about this at some point, Mm -hmm. but live tribal, as you're pointing out, completely changes things because there was a time in which you kind of more or less had to have your vote locked in. And one thing I've noticed in mainlining the last... So everyone just, you know, I'm on Winners at War right now. I've mainlined the last couple of seasons. There's this thing that happens at juries recently that I've observed where someone says, they come into the final tribal and they say, just so you know, we do not have our minds made up, blah, blah, blah. As though that's supposed to be mean something. When... I think you got your mind made up and that's okay. It's okay to have your mind made up and say you could have your mind made up and have it swayed at the tribal, but it's okay to come into a vote knowing who you're voting for. That's like not a bad thing. So I think one thing that live tribal does in the producers and and Jeff's minds is it makes everything, you know, the twists and turns, anything can happen at any moment. And I think there's something to be said that's just as valid as, we talked it out on the beach and this is the moment and this is the moment of truth. 
There is no more sort of game to be played. We have come here because it is the ritual of how we let the information out of the bag. So I am anti-live tribal, but also mainly because, as you pointed out, sorry for this long monologue, but as you pointed out, Jeff's sort of like love of live tribal is particularly annoying because it's like he... In, in very Jeff fashion, from my vantage point of the show, the thing that Jeff loves so much is the thing that I think disrupts what I love so much. Yeah. And rant. I think that live tribal actually creates the opposite of what they think it's creating because they want chaos. And yet live tribal allows the players to rehuddle and reform and reconfirm their plans. Whereas imagine if they could not get up and talk to each other and all of these advantages got pulled out and people were talking about where they might be and who might have them and we had to then vote without being able to confirm our plans Uh, i think that that is far more chaotic you've got uh, the potential for people to get the wrong plan vote on the wrong plan have votes in multiple places and, uh, you know, I think the closest we saw to that was when Jeannie voted for Ricard in the first episode of 41 uh, because she was confused and she wasn't really participating in the live tribal. So imagine if nobody had participated in that and they all had to do it from their seats. You know, I think you go into tribal always uh, with a plan A, a plan B, and maybe a plan C. And based on what comes up at tribal, you know, you, we used to see a look and a nod or a smile, and that would indicate this is the plan we're going for. And if they want chaos by introducing all of these variables, a great way to guarantee that chaos would be to not let them sort of regroup after these advantages are brought up at tribal. Agreed. So that's that. Thank you so much for that voicemail. I loved that a lot. It's so cool to hear from you all. We cannot underline that enough. We are so delighted it's so cool yeah every week i'm like well i'm not gonna get any this week and then everybody comes through and new people and so love yeah, it can't wait keep, to see who keep telling us like sends tell, yeah. next week. questions your hot takes whatever you want we want to hear from you oh also we are going to do a mailbag episode mm. uh, with general thoughts so for example you want to talk about uh silky v aussie Uh, We want to talk about that in uh, a dedicated episode after 41 is done. Uh, So in the meantime, please send any general thoughts about Survivor that do not have to do with 41, or you can relate 41 to older seasons, uh, whatever you like. But we're going to start collecting those for uh, sort of like a QA and a mailbag episode. I think that will be very fun to record after 41 is done all over with absolutely so uh, keep them coming yes and i I just want to mention i think we teased some of the upcoming guests in our last Mm -hmm. episode but we've locked in a few more upcoming guests we have some of the biggest guests imaginable on the docket i don't mean to be hyperbolic but (laughs) i am so excited particularly for I mean, no, not even particularly there's a couple but there are so many exciting guests coming up so just know that in addition to these recaps we are really dedicated to celebrating the the game as it has existed, you know, well before season 41. So please stick around with us. Uh, we have a lot of podcasts that outside of just recapping. 
Yes, yes, we have so many exciting interviews coming up. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. Uh, I saw some new reviews come in after last week. So keep them coming. We love to see the reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts. And uh, don't forget to send us your uh, voicemails. You can DM those to me. If you can't figure out how to do it, uh, you can DM me and I will walk you through a process or an alternate process as I did this week. So yeah, we will make sure because we want to hear your voices on this podcast. So until next Thursday, when we uh, recap the next episode of 41, we will say goodbye. Goodbye. Justice for Heather. Justice for Heather.